0: You're listening to Data Plus Love. This week, I have Tableau public ambassador, Michelle Freeman with me. You might know Michelle because she is involved in pretty much every Tableau public community activity you'll see. She has, at this point, I'm talking to her, 202 vizs in her public portfolio, but it'll be like 280 by the time you hear this uh, in a week or so. Michelle, how are you this evening?
1: Hey, I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on here.
0: Thanks for coming on so we've been like friends online for a while now and um because you participate in all the public activities i'm always seeing your work crank out and we're always commenting on each other's stuff and other people's stuff so it's it's really great like we got to hang out some at the conference like the physical conference the other year i can't say last year anymore um so it's nice to be actually talking with you again because i know during the early stages of covid you and I were like kind of hanging out more because there was a lot more of those sort of community, like zoom chats and stuff like that. And we were popping up in a lot of those, but like lately, those have kind of cooled off. and I realize I'm kind of missing them.
1: I know. I really miss them a lot too. I'm like this extreme extrovert. So they so saved me when we went into lockdown and I really appreciate like so many people for organizing them. Um, and you know, we still have, there are still a few communities that get together pre- periodically, so, that's
0: good. I'm not good about setting that up on my own. Like someone has to set it up and then like strong arm me into appearing and then I have fun because I'm an introvert. So, which people are always surprised by the like you host a podcast and I'm like, "And how many people are on it at a time?" Um <laughs> So yeah, it's uh it's it's good to get out there and socialize. Some particularly as you know, the winter season is setting in. So it's harder to go out and do stuff. And you know, there's some lockdowns cropping up again. So I think we're gonna see more of those coming up soon.
1: Uh, come on, you can still get outside. It's all about your clothing. You know, you layer up. We're gonna walk year round because I love to be outside.
0: Well, I, I walk year round too. So usually um I no longer work at St. Jude, but my best buddy, David Kelly, still does. And he lives literally in the neighborhood next door to me. So pretty much every day during lunch, we meet in the park and we walk either the trails in the woods or around the lake. And the thing about living in Memphis in November is there is like a 50 degree temperature range throughout the day. So you might wake up in the morning and it's about 30 degrees out and you're like, "Okay, so I'm thinking coats and hats and something. And then around lunchtime, it's like 80 degrees. And you realize unless you are just a master of layering, it's impossible to be adequately dressed. It's
1: all about layers. You know, I live in New England, so, you know, the weather does tend to get a little chilly out here. But um, when, I, when I'm used to, um, when I get outside, I tend to heat up a lot.
0: So, you're in the Boston area, and one of the things that always impresses me about the Boston Tug is just like how many, like, just talents, like you among them, I see in the Boston Tug. And I don't know what it is about Boston as an area. It's like, is it the whole MIT Harvard thing? Does that, like, is that in the water? Is everyone drinking it? Is it like like Goodwill Hunting how like even someone with like a like a thick Southie accent who's kind of blue collar is doing like calculus on the board? Like what's the deal with Boston? Why is everyone so smart and talented?
1: Oh, it is an awesome city and it totally beats the pants off Cincinnati. But um <laughs> No, I think part of it is there are so many colleges here and it just attracts people from all over. And a lot of them stay here. I grew up in New York City or an hour north of New York City. Originally, I came up here for college. I never left. And um, still a lot of people in the ocean. It's near the mountains. We get all four seasons. You know, we have all the cool stuff that you have in a big city, but doesn't have a baby feel, or at least not to me. Um, spending, you know, New York is by idea
0: of a big city. I agree. Boston's a bit more spread out. It's, you know, it's not as tall. So you get to enjoy, I mean, particularly depending on which part of town you're in, if you're by the universities, it's, it feels very small town.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, really, I think even if you're downtown, you can walk pretty much everywhere in town. You can walk across the river to Cambridge.
0: Yeah, it's um. I got to do a couple of business trips there a few years ago, and I really enjoyed it. It's actually the home to my favorite comic book shop because I'm super nerdy. Uh, you have like a local chain there. That's really, awesome. but yeah. um, it's called. Oh, I'm forgetting it now. It's like, Comics, is it? Yeah, I think so. So I really I really enjoyed that when uh, when I was in town and I loaded up on all sorts of goodies because that that is my lane. Um, But I have a Boston or actually it might be a Massachusetts specific question, which leads me into something that I have always wanted from Will Strauss. So Will has uh, I'm just going to say it. Will is a character Boston Will he puts on um, and his accent's phenomenal. And on McSweeney's, which is one of my favorite satire sites, there is a, I don't know if they did a full series or they did it as a satire of a series, which sounds like them, about um, Norse mythology as told by a Bostonian. And this particular episode was called Thor Goes to the RMV. (laughs) Why is it called the RMV in Massachusetts and not the DMV uh, that the rest of us know? Is it equally hellish? And Will, will you please read this and record it for me? That's all I want in life.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's the registry of motor vehicles, which makes so much more sense. I don't even know what the D stands for
0: A department.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. But you go to register your car.
0: Uh, I mean, look, we can all agree it's it's like one of the layers of hell. Like no <laughs> one wants to be there, including the people that work there. And
1: so, my two favorite weird things about driving around here were when I first came to college here, blinking yellow lights. Like, what the heck are they about? Are you supposed to stop? Are you supposed to go? I don't even get it. And then, so no, maybe they were blinking green lights. All right, that's gonna be. It. <laughs> so- but the other thing are all of the wacky roads. And they say it's because the roads were built on top of old cow paths. You know, Again, I grew up outside of New York City. Very logical Grid pattern, at least in Midtown. You, know, you get down to Wall Street and it's a mess. But the part that I knew better, it's just all a mess.
0: That's wild. So the blinking yellow are those like yield lights. Like it's like a eh, kind of slow down and look. We have some of those around more rural parts of Tennessee, but... I don't know. That's interesting. We also
1: green lights. I don't know. College was a really long time ago.
0: uh, One of my favorite uh, traffic peculiarities um, in Memphis is downtown. We have a large uh, central street called union, which cuts through a large part of downtown. And it had what I affectionately refer to as a suicide lane in the middle, which in the morning was inbound. And in the afternoon is outbound, which means there is some magic hour within the day where all of a sudden you are now driving the wrong direction in this lane. Um, it doesn't do this anymore. I don't know what changed. I but yeah, that was a fascinating discovery. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not driving the right way anymore. Like, what is this? Why, why would anyone do this?
1: Okay, that is really wacky. And as my father-in-law is actually a traffic engineer who was responsible for putting in the rotary in Harvard Square, because apparently it used to be a T intersection before. And still but uh yeah, all kinds of weird things.
0: Well, I'll tell you this, having just returned from Sedona last week, which you and I have talked about because I know you you're aching to go out there, they love the roundabout and it works. Like it works in Sedona. I don't think Memphians can pull it off, but uh, but what this the said Sedanese, whatever you call the Sedonians, the people of Sedona, uh I don't know. Actually I don't think anyone lives there. I think everyone just commutes there and goes to vacation there. Like whoever is there, it seems to work fine.
1: Is it just because like it's so peaceful and tranquil out there that people are like, sure, go ahead, you have my turn into the rotary. I'll take my time.
0: I I don't think it's that. If anything, uh, I was a passenger the whole time, but I found the scenery incredibly distracting. So I'm glad my driver didn't. But you're looking around and it's 360 degree panoramas of beautiful skies and red rocks. And uh I, I would find that distracting as I'm executing this endless left turn in a circle.
1: You but, just never leave the traffic circle. Look, kids, it's big
0: Ben. Yeah, there it is again. Woo! so um you uh looking at your work and your public portfolio there's just several things that strike me and like correct me if i'm wrong or anything uh you live you love to iterate and one of the things i appreciate about your iteration is like i might iterate but i only put the final version out there you show your versions and i find that fascinating was that a conscious choice from the beginning or is that something you just decided to do over time
1: I feel like very early on, Andy Creeble said something about keeping your work out there so that people can see what you change. Um, And, you know, how else would I get to 200 plus visits so quickly, you know, if it's all about the iteration. And part of the reason I um, iterate is I always sign up for feedback. And I feel like if somebody's taking the time to give me feedback, then I owe it to them to actually act on it. And I haven't been 100% great about that, but I really try very hard to do it. Somebody has taken the time for me. I really appreciate that.
0: That's fair. And it makes a lot of sense. I know the people that conduct a lot of the exercises like makeover Monday or iron quest, it's a big time commitment for them. And obviously this is something they're doing outside of their actual job. Like this isn't no one's paying you to do makeover Monday. You're doing this because of your sort of avocation, you know, the thing you want to be doing and your passion, but at the same time, it's still work. Like, I mean, I'm doing a podcast with you right now. And while I enjoy the heck out of it later, I'm going to be editing this thing. And uh, trying to ask the next person to be on which the, the asking people and keeping on top of that is is one of the things I am worst at like um, it's like dating it's like 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 bad it's like ask ask them but then like what do I say we do like do you want to do you want to talk Thursday or Thursday is good you know it's it's a, just a sea of neuroses and awkwardness.
1: See, I guess I was lucky. I didn't be more on the receiving end of the asking than on the asking end.
0: Well, it's that's. I, I think I put this out there once and I should really do it again sometime. Hey, anyone know anyone that should be on the show or would anyone like to be on? I mean, that's actually uh, even more awkward. That's like ask to be set up like hey anyone have any single friends that you know I mean they're still single and I'm still single but we're both great right like we're not the bottom of the barrel anymore like we're we're good anyone would be on my podcast
1: see and I just assume you have like this long line of
0: people (laughs) no much like my visits, um I don't have like a schedule going out um it, like when a viz happens it because the viz just happened rather than like hey oh man i've got the next five like like i'm gonna do this one then i'm gonna do that one it's like literally i have one idea at a time and then i just feel miserable like i finished i'm like ah, well i guess i'm done with this like i'm never i'm never creating anything again like i'm just i i feel like um like intellectually bankrupt i'm just like oh it's it's all gone now i, I used it all like it was a good run
1: See, and I have the opposite problem. I think because I've been doing the community projects and especially committing to makeover Monday, you know, I don't have as much time to do things for fun. I'm really jealous of the amazing, fun visits that you've done. Um, I actually have one that I'm working on that I'm hoping for the next few weeks that was purely just for me, is not affiliated with any project. It's one of the few that I've actually done like that.
0: I was, I was going to say, like, uh, one of the things I've noticed is you really uh, invest heavily in the community projects, whether it be Makeover Monday or Iron Quest or Project Health Viz and stuff. And whether that's something intentional or whether it's like sort of, you know, it's like it's a social activity as well, obviously, because you're doing it together. Like, what's the choice behind that? Is it uh, more fun to do uh, data sets that are sort of cultivated and provided and, you know, getting to see what other people do with it? Or like, what's the uh, what's your feeling behind it?
1: So I think it's- outset, what really propelled me, so I told you um, when I first um, went to TC18, I went to Makeover Monday at the beginning, but the end of it, the last thing I did was go to Fanalytics, and Andy Krivel spoke there about doing Makeover Monday, and Chantilly spoke, um, and then Lindsay Betzendahl also spoke, and so I was really inspired to get involved in Makeover Monday and in Project Health Viz, and at my table, we had made a pact that we would all post a biz before the year was out. And I sort of decided that between the pact and being inspired by Makeover Monday that I was gonna to commit to doing all of 2019. And I, there was a lot of comfort in sort of setting that rigor and schedule and just knowing that I was gonna do it every week. It helped me get into that regular practice. And then getting to know the community was really, uh, you know, I enjoy having met so many people through the community. But the other thing that I really like about it is I didn't have to source my data. A lot of the reason that if I'm not doing a community project where the data is provided to me, I'm using self-actualized data is because I'm really bad at actually.
0: Yeah, it's uh, sourcing data uh, can be a major hassle, um, particularly if you're interested in niche topics or stuff that other people are just unwilling to document. Um, if if you really care about it, you can do it. But it's a lot of work. I'm not going to not gonna joke at all, which is one of the reasons that uh, community projects are so great, because someone else has removed that as an obstacle from you. And at this point, it's just up to you, the data, and whatever you want. And one of the things I've always said to people that are wanting to get a jumpstart community projects, and I, I would say this at work and stuff, was like, you've got the same tools, everyone, you've got the same data as any. So if someone creates something that blows you away, the only thing stopping you from making that same thing is maybe a little work and figuring out how they did it. Like it's, it's just such an amazing tool for self-development, like the exercise of participating in this. And I think you said this best. There's some vulnerability there, right? Like you can't really watch it from afar and just watch what other people make. Um, well, you know, there is a benefit to looking at a lot of great viss. The actual act of participation and the vulnerability and putting yourself out there, you um you grow through that. It's fascinating.
1: yeah, and that's one of the, the other reason that I like leaving all my old work out there and particularly the iterations is then other people can see, even if they haven't heard the feedback that I've received, they can see what I did with it. And did I make it better? Hopefully I made it better. I absolutely think that the feedback that I've gotten, particularly from Eva, has been crucial to me for improving over the last couple of years.
0: I mean, I I am fascinated by um, some of the chart variety that you like you use all sorts of different techniques all the time. And I think that's one of the awesome things about your work is like you're constantly swinging for the fences. Like Makeover Mondays, if you wanted, you could accomplish most Makeover Mondays with like bar charts. Like I'm gonna make another bar chart this week. and do another bar chart that week. And you could like change up the colors and the backgrounds, and like have some fun fonts and you know, stuff like that. But you're always trying different techniques. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about your work because when I see them like, I wouldn't have thought of trying that like um is that something that you find like enjoyable to like I'm gonna try like um some I don't know let's scroll down a little bit like uh lots of uh jitter plots back here at the childhood's e- end which I think was a great use case for that in fact I think I saw Steve Wexler use that same technique in one of his presentations like do you have a favorite like exotic off books chart type like I'm rambling now
1: no no it's a really good question I I think the jitters are probably one of my favorites. I just think they always look so cool. Um, And that's actually one that I've been able to translate and use to work pretty well as also. Um, I don't tend to use as many of the more exotic charts, although every once in a while I like to try one just either for the fun of it or you know, the challenge of learning something new. But for the most part, I don't find them to be as effective conveying information. So I do tend to show the more standard option.
0: I would agree with that. And I actually, today, I saw a coworker using a jitter plot. He had been renovating one of his older dashboards at work and was trying to sort of get to a different level of detail with the data. Because, you know, when just representing the whole cohort as a bar, it could mask some of the sort of extreme outliers. But if you're showing them as like this group and you've got some stuff that's straying dramatically outside of that, that can be particularly alarming, but can be lost when you have it all just rolled up together and aggregated. Yeah, so
1: that's, I think, again, one of the reasons that I like the jitter so much. It's like, it makes efficient use of the space, but you can still see that level of detail.
0: So, I mean- between your involvement with all these projects, I think you're also involved with Moms Who Viz, like, which is something I've talked to Lindsay Betzendahl about off air. I've been trying to get her on to talk about these it. kind of difficult. Can she you, like Lindsay, come on the show? But um, tell me about Moms Who Viz. Like, I know that sort of came up, I think, last year. And there's, tell me about it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to explain it. So
1: it's basically a collection of Moms Who Viz. Um, it grew, at, Lindsay kicked it off. And she had put out this awesome viz that was sort of about um, the challenges we face as mothers and what a day in the life of a mother is. Um, and she put it out and she created a template and put it out there so that people could put in their own personal data. Thank you, a mom who visits. And then um, at data 19, she had a brain date. And so a bunch of us got to meet in person and we had a really good time and decided we wanted to follow up on that. And so we created a Slack channel and started chatting and then started extending it out and inviting other It's not intended to be a closed group. It's just, um, we don't know everybody who has children. So... You know, if anybody out there is listening and is interested in joining us, please feel free to reach out Um, because, you know, we certainly very welcoming and uh, it's just a place that we can talk about the challenges that we face, but, you know, as working moms and, you know, we're at various points in our careers and various points in motherhood. You know, some of us have children who are older um, then there are people just had their first child, so it's a really nice variety. You bounce ideas off of each other.
0: I mean, I think that's incredibly valuable. Like my wife's an attorney, and she's part of some Facebook groups and other activity groups for like other like attorney moms. Because particularly if you know you're a woman in a male-dominated field, or sometimes just a parent in a in a field with lots of single people. Um, it can be a difficult perspective to, you know, sort of find your place in that whole sea. But I think that's uh, just a really admirable thing that, you know, setting up this whole group and finding that community within a community where you're able to find people that can, you know, relate to your stage of life, you know, with uh, like being a mom and working and having kids and as well as, you know, also wanting to do fun data projects and sort of, you know, eh, Sometimes people get pigeonholed. Like, they're like, oh, you're a parent now. You must want to do all kids' stuff all the time. It's like, no, sometimes I'd very much love not to do kids' stuff. I would like to. Um, I would like to do a viz about John Wick and drink scotch. <laughs> I
1: have to say, I almost never do anything about my kids. It's funny. Although um, we did do a makeover Monday. The boys actually contributed and created the horrible viz that everybody else had to redo.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yes. Uh, part of my coping strategy when their school was let out and we didn't have school so... Our last day of school last spring was March 12th, and uh, Friday the 13th, there was no more school, and our school took a couple of weeks before they figured out what they were going to do for virtual school, so they went to data camp. They watched Matt Francis's uh, LinkedIn tutorials, and they learned about Tableau, and then they, in turn, actually used it for their bar mitzvah projects this summer. So That's probably- really
0: awesome. So I have so many questions about this. First of all, so as as part of having your bar mitzvah, like that's at 13, right?
1: Normally it is at 13 because my boys are so close in age. They're 17 months apart a year in school. Um, My older was delayed a little. So he was three days shy of his 14th birthday and the younger was 12 and a half. But 13 is traditional for boys.
0: So like they do a service project as part of this. Mm -hmm that's really awesome. I really appreciate that. I was um, the closest thing I have to that is I was in the boy Scouts, um, around that age and community service projects are baked into that as well. So particularly as you want to progress into higher ranks, you're expected to not only, uh, participate in other people's but develop and conduct your own service projects which leads up to like your eagle scout project which is supposed to be i'm actually right now wearing uh an an eagle scout uh funded shirt i bought off a kid at a craft fair he was trying to make like a um like um an accessible park in his uh in this small town called Covington which is an hour north of me we went there for a craft fair not too long ago and he was selling these shirts to help fund it and I'm like I will I will gladly buy your shirt like anything to help out because I know trying to conduct your eagle scout project is very difficult uh, for me mine was uh my neighborhood had been hit by a tornado which um our you know we get tornado like warnings and stuff but actual tornadoes are very uh rare but we're coming up on Thanksgiving weekend right now and this was Thanksgiving weekend about gosh like 25 26 years ago so it was Sunday afternoon i'm sitting in a bay window watching back to the future 2 it's raining heavily all of a sudden my mom says kids come downstairs right now so like as a you know like 14 13 year old you're like yeah 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 so i grab my walkman i'm coming down the stairs and i hear an explosion above me so I run down the stairs. Um, so we all get in the closet and it turns out the tornado had gone through our neighborhood. And what had happened in our upstairs um, sort of TV room was a tree limb about the size, like about the diameter of a softball. So it was pretty big around, had crashed through the window right above the couch where I was laying, proceeded to ricochet around the entire room. So like all the sheetrock was dented. And then, of all places, impale itself right where my torso would have been, like, through the couch and the wall. So it was like, like a spear aimed at me. It's And, like, if you think you can't ever live down your mom, like, that time you got sick because you didn't wear a coat to school, and your mom's like, remember the time you didn't wear the coat? Like, imagine if your mom has, remember the time God tried to kill you with a spear? Like, you know, so, yeah, be thankful that that hasn't. So anyway... Um, the tornado tore up the neighborhood and we actually had a couple people die in the neighborhood. Like their house got lifted up and dropped um, with them in it. But um, a lot of the local wildlife is like really disrupted. So walking around the neighborhood right afterwards was surreal. Like, I mean, right afterwards is in like. A half hour later because the storm sweeps through and all of a sudden it's clear except for the skies the strangest thing and you smell like natural gas everywhere because a lot of gas lines have been broken but um in the days uh following everyone's fences have been like demolished and you see people have like by birds in their front yard because like all the birds got killed when the the wind whipped them up so um I asked people for their old fencing and with my dad's help, I pre cut it into kits to make bird houses. And then I gave, I gave them to my scout troop uh, for them to get their service hours. Like, Hey, you know, take a, you know, build a birdhouse. It's like worth an hour or two for your service hours. And then we'd go around to asking people in the neighborhood, Hey, would you like a birdhouse? We're trying to, you know, get some of the wildlife to come back. Um, so yeah, I haven't told that story in a long time, That's but anyway, your sons have low projects. So um, are they going? Are they aspiring data analysts, or are you are, are you like um, like just sort of hoping to woo them?
1: I think they're intrigued by it and they enjoyed it, but they'd much rather play Minecraft or uh, play something on the Xbox.
0: Well, I mean, yes, yes, that's true, <laughs> and unfortunately, as a parent, now the piece of ammunition oh, what kind of job are you going to get playing video games has been removed from you. So like there was a time when my parents would say that like, oh, what are you possibly going to do playing Nintendo? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I guess nothing. Now it's like, oh, I'm going to be a Twitch streamer or a major league gamer, you know, because like that's happened to like a couple hundred people. Now that seems viable, you know, so sorry.
1: (laughs) I figure we have a few years before we have to worry about their careers. Like, let's get them through school. Let's have them actually be at school. Today was the first day back to school since Friday the 13th, back last spring. So that was a very exciting day in our household.
0: That is a very exciting day. I mean, and for them as well, right? Like For you, it's the first time you've sort of had some of that peace and quiet of like actually having a semblance of an office again. Um, but for them, like, surely they've missed, like, their friends and sort of being away from, you know, their parents as well. Like, they want that sort of social development time with their peers. And, you know, school work isn't great but it is what it is.
1: No, they were super excited. You know, unfortunately, they're in middle school and they are pretty good students. Don't require a whole lot of attention. They can be pretty independent, but it was really great for their friends. They did not love as much the walk home. We live about two and a half miles from the middle school, but we're like, nope, you need some exercise. So
0: I I mean- it's it's all good. Like, I think just getting out, I'm sure they were happy. And and maybe they were tired when they got home. Maybe they're not going to stay up super late tonight. That That's probably a perk, too.
1: Yes, there are many, many perks to what my sister-in-law always used to refer to as shashare.
0: So let me ask you, looking at your portfolio, uh, you use a variety of different colors. And that's one of the things I appreciate. Like, some people have, like, a go-to, like, I have Yudit Nailed. She has a specific purple she uses. And I'm calling her out now, Yudit. I know. But, like, do you have a favorite, like, color or color scheme that you like to use? Or is it all about, like, sort of switching it up, having fun, or, or sort of, uh, you know, trying to address the specific topic?
1: So, if there's a color that naturally goes with a topic, either um, it included in the original viz, or, um, so the Nintendo Switch one, I use the Nintendo Switch colors. Um I will often use that to sort of guide my palette for if I'm going for something that's neutral, but I don't want to do a monochrome one. I like a really dark blue, but probably my favorite color is...
0: Do you get to incorporate it into your vizs very often?
1: Uh, for work or for oh, the pink? Um, occasionally, uh, I've been called out for it. <laughs> <laughs> and it might not be everybody's favorite color, but um, I, I do get to use it from time to time.
0: You know, I think, look, I think there is a case to be argued for every color, and I think it's all about the right circumstance. I chose a particularly aggressive orange for a background once. And like, I did this on a chart where the chart was already unorthodox, and more people had strong opinions about the background than the chart, which was kind of shocking to me. So like, I think there is definitely a case where you can go like hard pink and like, and make people love, like, that's the real thing, right? Like if you can like uh, almost like make people love the thing despite themselves, like that's more fun than just doing like uh, one of your, your top fizzes and it's, it's your pinned on your profile. And I think it's very attractive is um, it's your, your basketball scores and it's like a black and uh, a black and orange color scheme on sort of a creamy white background. And it looks great it looks really attractive, but like, I'm thinking like, there's a way to make, make pink work this way. You just, <laughs> know, it's like, there's that one use case and you're going to do it. People like, that's the best pink viz I've ever seen. Like now, now Michelle owns pink and no one else wants to touch it.
1: So, but this is a perfect example of, I chose the, that color scheme to the colors on a basketball.
0: I didn't even think of that. Like that's that should be so so apparent. I mean, first of all, not a big sports guy. But yeah, I mean, like that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I think if you slap me in the face with it and made the background orange, like I'd be like, clearly this is a basketball. But like when you do it this way and it's the subtle blend of the two, I don't even think twice about it, but it's so organic. Like the Nintendo one, I I actually thought about that. Um because that's also one of the ones towards the top of your profile where you've got these sort of red, black, and white. And it's like, okay, clearly that's within Nintendo's family of colors. So I think that's very clever to sort of embrace what's sort of naturally working. And also there, it makes a lot of sense. If you see a logo or even I I did this very early in my public work, but I always wanted to mess with colors and I'm like, what colors work? I'm not a fashion designer. I don't know. You can go find movie stills in line And it'll show you like the six key colors in that frame. And I'm like, well, let's see if this picture looks nice and it has these six colors, these six colors clearly work together so I can use those six colors. And that was sort of my approach to that. But it makes a lot of sense. Like um, it's really hard to invent something totally new in the realm of like visual anything. So if someone else did a certain color palette somewhere, then you could probably do it too or, you know, do a twist on it.
1: Yeah. When I get really stuck, sometimes I'll go searching for color palettes um, if I need more than just a few colors. And I do try and keep my color more simple. I don't want to have too many things competing. Um, But just to go back to what you said about not being a sports fan... Um, I am actually not a sports fan at all. I don't care to watch any professional sports, but my husband is both a huge ba- basketball and a huge baseball fan. So pretty much any anything that I have ever done has been a team effort with him, like, coaching me on all of the sports details. So the Popovich one, uh, he totally helped with. And then I have one earlier on that was about baseball that I called Moneyball, and he was instrumental in that one.
0: That's awesome. I, I love when I, like... You know, we've got the Moors, we've got like the Dataviz couples, and we've got like Crayon and Pooja. But like it's really fun when you see like uh a Dataviz person and like their civilian partner and like they've worked together on something. Like that just that just makes my heart so happy that that you know he's sort of helping you out with that. I I've had like one successful two successful cases of that. One was when I made a Viz which helped you find the best wine for your pri- for your, your value. Like my wife was into that, like she was down. And the other one was where um, I called it Happy Birthday. It's the one where you could type in two names and it shows you the comparison. She played with that for like 45 minutes. Like most of the time, she has no clue what I'm working on and and isn't like super interested. I'm not saying that in a mean way. It's like, it's not her thing. But like that one, she's like, this is really fun. I'm like, wow, I think I hit something that like normal people might like, (laughs) which is the goal. Like imagine if normal people like the things I made, that would be strange.
1: (laughs) No, I've been slowly trying to drag Scott into the database community, and he's usually the first person that I show all my business to. And then um, I've gotten him into the game night crew. So he's actually met a bunch of people. I was hoping that I'd actually be able to bring him down to conference this year until, you know, it all went south. So maybe next year.
0: Maybe next year. And on that note, Michelle, thanks for coming. Like, I we have I've had a lot of fun tonight. This is really good. Like, oftentimes on a night when I'm recording the podcast, it's really hard for me to shift at first because I'm going from like hard dad mode into podcast mode. And you know, you have to be like really on when you're hosting the podcast. And you've made me feel so comfortable tonight that this has been one of the easiest podcasts that I've done. So thank you for that. Oh,
1: thank you. This was so much fun. I love talking with you. I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. So it was super exciting to get to be a part of it, too.
0: Well, before I cut you loose, is there anything like you'd like to shout out or anyone you'd like to promote or the other way around? I forget how it is.
1: So, you know, I would not be where I am today without the leaders in the community projects and in particular, you know, Eva Murray, Sarah Bartlett, Lindsay Betzendahl have been so gracious giving feedback. And then, um, you know, it's funny, I became friends with Bridget Cogley sort of out as a spinoff of a Makeover Monday, um, there was one that was on suicide, and it really hit a lot of ethical questions. And Eva suggested reach out to her, and that really wanted an amazing friendship. And then, you know, through Makeover Monday, I've gotten to know so many amazing people from all across the world: um, Kimberly Scott, Swati Dave, um, Agata. You know and you know a lot of them we've gotten to enrich our relationships the moms at biz Christina Gorgi. i i can't name everybody and i'm terrible i always feel guilty every time i start listing off people because i feel like i'm gonna forget somebody or i'm gonna butcher butcher their name because i'm also really bad about that so um yeah i guess i i can't keep going on
0: Well, I, 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 oh, I'm always right there with you. Like I hate to list one cause then I have to list 10. And if I list 10, I know I left out 50, but um, thank you to all of them. And thank you for the DataFam community in general. Both of us wouldn't be talking right now if it weren't for you and this podcast wouldn't exist either. So thank you.
1: Oh, and thank you too. Have a great night.
0: You too. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3. get more if you choose, or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one. You won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network.